In an era where everyone thinks their opinions are so damn important, I'm here to give you a little piece of my mind. Welcome to Unaffiliated the Podcast with your host, B. Seth. Let's go. Welcome to Unaffiliated the Podcast with your host, B. Seth. In this episode, I sit with my older brother, Carlos, and we discuss Black economic empowerment. We also discuss historical and modern occurrences that still affect Black people to this day in ways that the Black community can strengthen and unite. You won't want to miss this. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give me a like, a follow, a share. It'll really mean the world to me. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy. Four, three, two, and one. Hello, world. Welcome to Unaffiliated, the podcast with your host, B. Seth. Today, I have a very, very special guest in the building, my older brother, Carlos. What's up, man? Yo, what's going on, B? Chilling, man. Welcome. I know. Finally made the podcast, man. <laughs> I made it. You made it. You here. This is now official. Yes, sir. So, everybody doesn't know this is my older brother, my actual brother. He's right. one of my favorite people. Um definitely easily probably my favorite person to talk to super smart open-minded understanding and i think you guys are in for a treat with all the nuggets he's about to drop for us today thanks for joining us man oh man appreciate you having me man been trying to get on here for a while scheduling been off and all of that so it's, it's, it's good to finally get on because i've enjoyed the podcast so far you guys had some real good conversation and it's been kind of uplifting to hear a good conversation from, uh, you know, young people. I mean, I ain't that old, but <clears throat> from, from, younger right. people, from younger people thinking <laughs> thinking deeply and thinking out the box and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. So that's good. So give the people a little background of yourself. Like, uh, what are you doing? Where are you at? So I'm in, I'm in Atlanta. Yeah, I'm in Atlanta, you know. Uh, Huntsville still feels like home too. Went to high school in Huntsville, went to college in Birmingham, uh, did the grad school thing, got my doctorate's degree in uh, physical therapy, and then moved to Atlanta uh, to pursue like sports medicine, physical therapy with this company out here. And uh, did that for like three years or so, and then got into more occupational medicine and workers' comp type stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been doing that for the last three years. And then other than that, man, raising a kid now, got a little baby. So that's okay. new. That's new. And then just trying to navigate this crazy world, man. Cause even though even though I got my degrees and good job and all that. Doctor. Maybe, doctor. Doctor. That's right. Doctor. But when Let they know, man. Let them know. <laughs> but when uh when the world see me, I'm just another nigga. Hey, yeah, fact. <laughs> Unfortunately. So, right. Dr. Nigger to these, to these motherfuckers. <laughs> so just trying to navigate that world and trying to create an environment where I feel comfortable with, you know, my new son now and everything. So, but I'm just a guy like everybody else trying to make it, just trying to learn, read and consume as much as I can. That's about it. So tell me this, since you brought up like the craziness that's happening right now, what's your like perspective on everything happening right now from COVID, Lives Matter, police brutality? Like, how are you processing it? Man, 2020 has been a shitty year. Like, it's, uh-huh. it, it started off crazy with, you know, talks of World War Three because some shit was going on in Syria or something. And then, and then Kobe, Kobe died, and then right they after took Kobe. they took Kobe. The whole world was more in between, more and Kobe. COVID happened. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to, supposed to have killer hornets, and then now this 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 uh, racism stuff has gone crazy. At first, man, I was just like numb to it because it, it it happened so much, and it was almost like, oh, here they go again. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't expecting the response. I wasn't expecting the the protests and stuff to be like worldwide, 
Yeah. And I wasn't expecting for white people to be like, to like have finally woken up and trying to be receptive to what we're saying. This is the first time I've seen white people in mass say that, you know what, now I need to listen. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's almost strange. I mean, it's great. I love it. I love every second of it, but it's like, I never thought I would see so much black and not just literally, but like even just people spreading the ideas of black people go through this, black people go through that. We need to be receptive. We need to listen. We're trying to understand what can we do? Like, I never thought we would see that. (laughs) Me neither. And then, then I said this soon to my homeboy earlier and he's like, well, shit, it's been what, 400 years. You know what I'm saying? It's been a long time, so maybe maybe the, the kettle finally boiled over. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think COVID had a lot to do with it, man. I think people were sitting mm-hmm. around with nothing to do. And um it was I hate to say it like this, but it was kind of an excuse to get out of the house for a lot of people. Um and yeah. and then I also think though, like young people have been just yearning to be a part of something special. I agree. Uh-huh. And, you know, and so when this came around, you know, the young people were like, this is my chance to to do something worthwhile uh, and something, you know, that the history books are going to talk about. And it just lit a match, lit a fire. And then now you're seeing businesses come on board, all these businesses. Now Black Lives Matter is like a catchphrase now. That is the most surprising part of all of this. Man. Is seeing how people now understand that we must protect this phrase because this phrase is so important that it can affect our business now. Right. And that's something you've always spoke to, uh, spoke on with me, you know, in private. And kind of I spoke to it on the last podcast. It's like only until we affect the money will people start listening to us. So the fact that people are listening, I think they're starting to finally see the value. Well, that's just, yeah. Not only the money we're spending, but shit, these athletes who play for you are these black people who design for you. Like you're seeing if you don't stand with them, you're about to lose your product to an extent. Bro, when, when, when fucking NASCAR came <laughs> out. <laughs> NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, I yeah. said, I I said, oh, this is going to a whole NASCAR. I said, y'all, y'all can't have no racist memorabilia. You have to take the Confederate flags down, and we're going to have a Black Lives Matter car in the race. That's wild. I said, NASCAR, the whitest, most prejudiced sport that's ever been for the longest. And even NASCAR said, oh, we tripping now. We, we, we went too far. We didn't, even, we didn't let these niggas live. <laughs> And that's when I knew it was something crazy, man. But life, yeah, yeah. life is a game, man. America is nothing but a big game. It's a big-ass Monopoly game. Uh-huh. And, if, and if you don't have any assets and if you don't control any money, if you're just going past gold and collecting $200 every time and then you're spending it on the way, you need to own, uh-huh. some, you need to own some shit, man. If you don't own shit, then this country don't give a fuck about you or your cause. Big facts. Yeah, uh, on the last podcast, we were just talking about how we felt about everything going on, and we were talking about what we can do and investing and uh, ownership and shit like that were definitely some key words. So how important are those things to you? Uh, That's uh, marching and protesting and voting and everything else don't mean shit if you don't control your own economics. Uh Point blank period. Even... I mean, you can you can get together a million people and march up to these corporations and demand this and demand that, but if you don't have any money behind you, you're just begging. Uh-huh. For the last for the last hundred two hundred years, black folks just been begging. That's it. And right now, we're still just begging until somebody stops and says to go along with these protests. We're gonna we're gonna you know conf- do confide our dollars together bring everything together and, and to and create one economic base for black people and then uh-huh. you bring something to the table then you can make some real and sustained change man otherwise you just asking for, for a seat at someone else's table right more leverage like what what incentive do people have to listen to our, our complaints if we're not like you said a, a valid player in the game 
Yeah, and it's more than just your money because uh-huh. even though a business, like all these businesses are doing this stuff because they want your money. But as soon as the hype dies down, they know you're not going to go anywhere. So they'll, you know, they'll, they'll acquiesce to you now. But then later on, they're just going to demand, they're going to start demanding more of you and more of your money because you have nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. If if there's no if there's no black Amazon, you know there's no incentive for Amazon to keep up with the Black Lives Matter after the movement dies. True, true. If you don't if you don't bring anything to the table, if you don't own any infrastructure or anything, like there's no incentive. Uh-huh. And this is America, man. This is monopoly. It's it's all it's all the game. It's all about it's all about wealth and resources. And who controls the wealth and who controls the resources? Make the rules. Facts, big facts. And if you want your, if you want to have some rules in the game, if you want people to take you serious, you gotta own some shit, right? And not just like restaurants and shit. I, I be seeing folks post support black business, which I'm all about. Uh huh. But it'd be like a like a page full of restaurants and shit. Right. Like I can't. We, we ain't gonna. We can't eat our way to freedom. We need some like structural type shit. Construction companies or. Uh, you know, law offices, people that do underwritings, you know, shit like that. And I agree. I've I've seen I've seen a like a diverse, I guess, uh, diverse post with different industries. But like, I don't think people are digging into like all the industries that account for like an area. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they are, they're focusing on the the food, the salons and shit, the products. But like like you said, what about the people who are building this shit up? What about the the legal teams? What about the doctors? Shit. What about you know, it's like it's a whole ecosystem. Banks. Banks would be a yeah. big one to shout out. Or, you know, people in, in technology, people making microchips or something. Uh-huh. Like imagine a black company who made components for phones or some shit. Right, that you need to be a part of the phone, and so you know it's cool shouting out black business, period. But uh-huh. I think we got to. We just need to. You think we just need to? I guess get more involved in different things. I do think we need to be more involved in a lot of different things, and I think uh-huh. we need to be more open to uh, things like outside of our immediate reach. Right, and I think, and I think some stuff is just it's just low hanging fruit. It's easier to reach forward for something that's like right in front of you. Uh huh. But to think it's more deeper, understandable, more digestible. Yeah, but you know we got to start thinking deeper, and I've been challenging myself to that too. Like with all this stuff that's going on, what are some spaces and some areas I haven't thought about that I could be supportive in? Uh huh. So I've been looking at different causes and different things like that. Right. Okay. So since pretty much this is the first time either of us, probably anybody in the world has ever seen this much support for black people. And, you know, it might be a moment, like you say, it might be just like the trending topic right now. Uh, I do believe we need to take advantage of it. What advice can you give, like a younger person who wants to take advantage of this in order to further themselves, their community, and the people around them? Uh, don't think that this is the only weapon. And so I, I kind of—I'm a big sports fan, so I all my analogies kind of center around sports and. And the fight for social justice, like protest, is just one one way to attack the opponent. So like in boxing, when you have an opponent that's very aggressive and is throwing punches at you, you have you have a jab and you use your jab to make the opponent kind of stop in their tracks to make them second guess their how they're going to attack you moving forward. And that buys you a little time for you to be able to throw some different punches at them and go on the attack. Uh-huh. So to me, protesting is like a jab. It stops everybody in their tracks. It makes people kind of second guess the way that they're treating you. You call people out and they don't want to be called out. So they kind of freeze up. 
And so after you throw that jab, what's going to be the next punch? And so I think like doing things like getting involved politically, creating political blocks, like uh-huh. imagine if all the young people in Atlanta created a, 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 a super PAC of voters. And let's say it's like 50,000 young people a part of the super PAC. They can go to their local congressmen, local senators, local whoever, and be like, you know, I represent 50,000 constituents. Uh-huh. And so now you're being listened to as opposed to like a group of 10 or maybe even one person trying to write a letter. They really don't care about like individual voters on that level. But if you and some friends and half the city got together and was like, yeah, it's 50,000 strong and we want changes or, you know, you can count on this 50,000 voting for the other guy, you might get listened to a little bit. Right, right. That's another weapon. Another weapon is the economic thing, building the economic base. If you have a son. Yeah, so that's what I really wanted to focus on, I guess, in this moment. And I do want to hear the rest of the list. Yeah. But we'll come back. We'll come back to the economics part. But uh, what can the young kid who, I guess, might be in college or maybe fresh out of college or maybe even in high school, like, what are some tips that you could give them or some areas to start looking into to where they can start creating a a landscape of financial freedom or creating just a better environment for themselves financially down the line? Look into investing. I mean, I mean, this may not be realistic, you know, for a kid to have this kind of mindset or whatever, uh-huh. but, but, but some things are important is that look into ways that you can invest your money, ways that your money can make money. And so that's the easiest way to build like a solid, economic foundation or a solid like place of like financial freedom is how can my money make money? One of the easiest ways is just to invest in stocks. Right. So I do a lot of stock investing and it's not like a shit ton of money, but it's pretty good money. And the returns on it are, are pretty good. So now I like saving money or having money saved away, but I'm having that money, some money. Uh huh. Um, and then some other ways, looking into starting some businesses, looking into, you know, starting businesses that's surrounding some kind of need-based industry. Uh-huh. Like if you were a tradesman, everybody's going to need, you know, plumbing. If you were able to start a plumbing business and maybe even get into commercial plumbing, that'd be a way to sustain yourself economically and grow into some kind of, you know, economic freedom if you will create so you think like learning a trade of some sort a trade like like a need-based trade so like yeah electricity plumbing uh for right now truck driving but that, that, but that may not last <laughs> uh-huh. right right um taxes like everybody people do their taxes every year that's true so they, you know you're gonna need to uh and and there was something I saw the other day called like Jumping Jack Taxes, like this tax company, Black-owned tax company, where they 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 help people get started uh, with like a tax business, and they've been like helping people become millionaires off of it. Oh wow! Yeah, it's, it's pretty dope. Uh, her name is the girl's name is like Dana Chanel. She's on Instagram and stuff, and she's pretty dope, like online entrepreneur. Uh, you know, stuff like that, man. Just thinking out, outside of the box a little bit and thinking more along the lines of, you know, how can I make, you know, money, money grow instead of just exchanging my time for money. Uh-huh. Right. Just the normal go to work, get money, come back. and Nothing is actually growing along the way. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel that. So what do you say to, and I'm, we're specifically talking black, we're black people. Um, <laughs> audience we're black this is a black ran black owned podcast so it's very uh personal when i say shit so this is specifically and for anybody i'm sure anybody could benefit from this but for our black youth and young adults who 
don't understand a sense of community or they don't even understand what that means, what would you say to them who who just want to get it on their own and keep moving? Uh, mm. Do you think that's cool? Do you not think it's cool? Do you think it's whatever, but they're doing themselves a disservice? Because that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I, I do feel like, and I, I don't think it's whatever in the sense of fuck you, but it's like, I do think it's a disservice because your kids are going to grow up in this environment that you could have, you know, helped change. Yeah, I think it's but, a disservice. I, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think it's a disservice, but, you know, I, I feel like I went that route because uh-huh. coming up, coming up, that's what was kind of pushed. It was like, go to a good school. Uh, oh, don't go to HBCU. Go to a, go to a, a good school, you know, as if, like, UAB had something to offer that, you know, other HBCUs didn't, you know, get the good right. job you know, make good money and you want to live in the, the good side of town with the, the whole foods and shit and yoga studios and shit like that. Yeah. So that, that's, that's like always been pushed as if, you know, the white man was better than the alternative. Right. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. can't be in no black neighborhood and shit like that. Or if you did live in a black neighborhood, even if it was like somewhat nice, it's like considered just ghetto. Mm-hmm. And so it's a mindset thing. And I don't know if I think that's that's probably like the one of the main things that we're dealing with as a race of people is that our mindset has been poisoned for so long that white folks don't have to be racist for real because we self sabotage all the time. Oh, big facts, man. We we gonna have to come back to that too. Shit, fuck it. We can touch on that right now. Yeah, touch on it right now, man. Willie Lynch. Why do we? As black people associate black our bad things with black, we do it ourselves. And I've seen it with black businesses. I've seen the little memes. Don't expect black people to give you a discount. And boom, boom, boom. I've seen people just not trust black businesses. How do we? And I know there's probably no answer to this, but how do we change people's perspective? Do you think a time like this opens their their minds, or do you think? Even for them, it's just a phase. Man, that's to be determined. It's like right now, everything just feels different. Like we've been on, we've been down this road before, uh-huh. and it's, it's it's always just been a phase. But it's never felt how it feels now, right? And so I'm kind of cautiously optimistic that because I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, maybe four years, three, four years ago, we had the, that big ass bank black movement. I remember that, yeah. And everybody was like, open up bank accounts and black banks and invested in black bank stocks and shit. And then I don't know what the fuck happened. Shit just went away. And so I'm I'm hoping that this time it kind of holds holds steady. Well, I think the biggest thing is, and I don't think this is specifically a black thing, but might be. But uh, I don't think many of us are willing to sacrifice our luxuries for something bigger than ourselves. Like, it's almost mm-hmm. like a self-centered mm-hmm. like approach mm-hmm. to if this thing serves it, Chick-fil-A is fucking delicious. Why should mm-hmm. I stop if they said slavery was a blessing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's true. No, that's, that, that's very true. And I, I think that's uh, people feel like they've worked so hard to get to a certain space and I don't want to sacrifice that trying to help someone who don't want to be helped. Uh-huh. I think it would be a different story if you saw like a strong movement of everybody doing it and everybody moving towards self-sufficiency. Uh-huh. Then people might be more inclined to to sacrifice what they got to help push the movement forward. But when you're asking people to sacrifice and maybe or maybe not other folks to join in, shit. They're like, they like, hell no. And that's the thing. I feel like <clears throat> the thing that's so sad about all of this is people think it's zero or 100. Mm-hmm. And like, even the guy who eats Chick-fil-A every day and he has a nice-ass crib and goes to Whole Foods all the time, like, there's something he can do that where he can still enjoy the luxuries, you know, that's his own prerogative. He still wants to do business with whatever businesses, but there's still something he can do to still better 
situations for people that look like him. There's something. Yeah. He doesn't have to give up his whole page. He doesn't have to give up his whole foods. There's still something he can do. How do we convince people of even that? That's the bare minimum. Just do something. Shit, man. Sometimes it ain't, it ain't no convincing people. Yeah, they they just have to feel feel on their own to to be a part of something. But also, you know, we don't need everybody to just give up their life and go on the front lines and be in the streets and the front line. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We we need people on every level of this thing. So we need people on the front line protesting. We need people who are, you know, just going to stay in the middle class, but, you know, maybe volunteer their time and mentor people. Uh-huh. Very important. Yeah, yeah. That's super important. That's probably one of the most important things. Is yeah. being, being in front of kids who don't think that it's possible. Nurturing the youth. Yeah, nurturing their youth. Which and, is you know, honestly, I didn't even realize learning. this myself, but I've been teaching kids since I was a kid. Yeah, you were with the dance and yeah, stuff. dancing and all the summer camps and churches and schools. Like, and for me, I always thought it was important just because, especially for the schools that were predominantly white or non-black, I felt it was important for them to see what a black person looks like who has themselves together, who has a clear mind, who's intelligent. And so they can kind of I guess, carry that experience with them. So my That's thing wasn't to create professional dancers necessarily. I mean, some people were super dope, but some people, they're just there. You know what I mean? I think the yeah. biggest thing was I want them to experience what this is like so that they don't have this idea of what every black man is supposed to be. And you could have been that, you know, that light in their life that they didn't have before. Because, I mean, for the most part, white people don't be around black people like that. Yeah. But, exactly. so every, everything that they get, or their their whole understanding of black people and black culture comes from the media. Uh-huh. And look and at then, how the media paints us. Yeah. And so then, you know, we're surprised when they, when they say or do or think ignorant shit, and it's like, well, they have absolutely zero exposure to what it's like being a black person. Uh huh. And I mean, we all ex- we all exist on a spectrum too. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not monolithic and all think the same and act the same. Oh yeah, definitely not. Look at Candace Owens. Now that bitch, is, <laughs> she just left field, man. I don't know what the fuck around that motherfucker. Yo, Candace Owens is a trip. I seen this article recently, y'all, this meme. Apparently the NAACP, like, helped her. In the man, past. she was, she tried to, like, sue somebody or she had, like, a lawsuit, a discrimination lawsuit against somebody over something. Mm-hmm. NAACP helped her with this lawsuit or whatever. And so she's benefited from you know, being discriminated against and then fighting the system. And then she turns around and, like, ridicules it for everybody. And says black people ain't shit, basically. Basically. That's basically her rhetoric. Bro, that motherfucker don't... She ain't worth two nickels put together, man. And I'm such an open-minded... I like listening to both a mixture of ideas and conservative ideas. Sometimes I watch conservative videos just to hear what the fuck these niggas are saying. I do, too. And Sometimes I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But most of the time, it's like, damn, they're just so ill-informed. And then yeah. people who are so ill-informed who like to use numbers, you're just ill-informing somebody else with something that they deem as fact. Because now you're put into num- numeric form. But you're not giving the outliers of this statistic. You're not giving all the other aspects of this statistic. You're just giving a statistic so they feel smarter than everybody else who doesn't have one. A lot of times those statistics are the outlier, but they just take that study man, because it confirms what they already believe and they run with it. Right. Yeah, I seen some kid or somebody I went to high school with, he posted this shit talking about uh, 98%. <laughs> 90% of white people are killed by black people. Oh, that's and bullshit. It was the worst <laughs> graph I've ever seen. And just to double check, I took it to fact check. 
and it turns out that Donald Trump released that same graph in like 2016 and it was deemed incorrect and untrue oh god and i've seen that floating around from some of my white facebook friends and every time i've seen it i would comment and i would literally put the fact check link just so it's like i mean i feel you and you feel a certain way but did they respond no never i did not get one response they probably felt stupid for posting that shit. All you gotta do is go to the FBI crime database and they'll they'll break it down for you, like real statistics. Uh-huh. And then then the true statistics is something like eighty six percent of white people are killed by other white people. Yeah, and which and which for black people it's like ninety two percent. And so whenever they try to throw that black on black crime rhetoric. It's like, well, shit, y'all niggas killing each other too. So what the fuck you talking about? <laughs> yeah, y'all are killing. You kill people you're around. That's what it That's is. It. Crime is crime is about proximity. It's right. like whoever you're closest to or around. Shit, most people are killed by people they know. Yeah, you're not gonna go fucking forty minutes down the road to go commit a crime every day. What the That's fuck? Shit. What That's the insane. fuck kind of criminals y'all though? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dumbass criminal right there. <laughs> that nigga wasting gas. <laughs> you, you see a criminal wake up in the morning. All right, honey, gotta go do some crime. I'm gonna go catch this, catch this train down downtown so I can do some crime. Like, come on, man. Yeah, that is the dumbest. Black on black crime is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard, man. And it makes me hate people, man. I I hate to say it, but it's just like you would do anything in the world just to feel right. Anything. I feel like you even know you're wrong at this point. In certain aspects, like in certain areas, you gotta know you're wrong. Oh man, they feel it. They feel it in their soul, man. But like you said, it's all part of the system. Uh-huh. And so for that system to work, you gotta you gotta keep the lie going. And yeah, and I think I think a lot of people might even know they're wrong, but like you said, like our our uh privilege is in the balance. So if I have to sit back, like they say, one of the biggest aspects of mind control are like, you know how like Hitler pretty much convinced most of Germany to (laughs) shit. They say the biggest thing with mind control is to tell the victim that they're crazy. One of the things that as they were interviewing the German people after World War II and stuff, a lot of the soldiers and things were saying they didn't agree with what they were doing, but they did it anyway. Uh-huh. And so uh, there was this experiment that was done to see how far people would go under authority doing what they didn't agree with. And so they pretended to hook somebody up to like this electrode machine or whatever. And they had the participants come in and ask them questions. And anytime the man behind the screen got a question wrong, the participant was supposed to deliver, hit a button and deliver like a fake electric shock. Uh-huh. And so at first it was like tiny shocks or whatever. But as, as it progressed, they made the guy pretend that the shocks were getting progressively worse until the point where a lot of people were actually delivering lethal doses of electric shock to these people, even though they didn't want to. And so the experiment pretty much con- concluded that like most people under the guidance of authority will go against their better judgment and better morals and just do whatever they're told. Damn. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure that with people in the prison system who take plea deals and shit. They get fucking forced into it. They because they you know they pretty much tell you that this is all you're gonna get. And then if you're a young kid from the from the ghetto or from the hood or whatever you don't know any better. You're gonna you're gonna listen to your your lawyer because you think he has your best interest, mm-hmm. and they be and they be, they just be pushing them kids into the system, man. That shit's fucked. Up. That's the new slavery. It is, man. You listen to uh, the new uh, read the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. That shit deep. I have not. That shit deep. It's it's pretty much like the the Ava DuVernay. A documentary of the thirteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but in this book she gets a little deep how the prison system and police and all that got started actually. How did they get started? Was it just to catch slaves and stuff or ex slaves? Yeah. 
But yeah, police officers started to, to catch slaves. That was mm-hmm. like their initial initial role. And then there there wasn't a robust prison system until after slavery. So here's what they did, right? They they were forced to free the slaves, so they freed the slaves. Uh-huh. Then what they did is they formed like uh, unions and things, and they wouldn't allow black people certain work. Uh-huh. And then they made it illegal not to work, or to or to, or to be a, or to be a vagrant. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with these white people, man? So they 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 called it like vagrant. <laughs> it was called like vagrancy law. So if you didn't own land or you didn't have a job, and you were just essentially homeless on the streets or whatever, it was considered illegal. So the people who had just got out of slavery were put back into a prison system. And then from the prison system, they would lease them back to the very plantations that they just got out of. Damn. And so they were doing that. Uh, Shit, they still do it now, man. There's a lot of companies who still have a lot of their labor done in prison systems. Yeah, that is wild. That's why I kind of like, I don't know, I've mixed, I, I, I don't like the idea of a privately owned prison. Because at that point, these niggas are doing shit for profit. Like these are people doing things for profit. So I don't, I don't fuck with that shit. How do you feel about privately owned prisons? I hate it. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you have a business, the whole idea of the business is profit and growth. Uh huh. And so for a prison to profit and grow, you have to have a continuous supply of prisoners. Why do you think it's like, how do people defend that idea is my thing. Like, can we all see that there's going to be motives for prison owners to fill their prisons and send all these cops out to do bullshit just to bring in black or, you know, brown people who they feel like nobody's going to give a fuck about anyway? Like, how do people defend that? Well, they uh, a lot of the a lot of the people that you would go to to defend it have a uh, have a stake in it. So a lot of your senators and representatives, they have a uh, they're either getting kickbacks from these companies or they're you know formally on the board of these companies or have been promised a board position finish politics in these companies. Uh huh. So they have a vested interest in in keeping these things open. So when you go to to the people, those are the people who are supposed to be protecting you from this stuff. Uh-huh. So when so when you go to them and ask them, it's falling on deaf ears because they all they all benefit from that system. There was a judge down in I think he was in like Mississippi or Louisiana or something, where he had like an abnormal. He was a he was a juvenile judge, and he was sending kids to like juvie jail like left and fucking right. Uh-huh. And then and then come to find out he was getting some kind of kickback from these private companies because the, the juvie system was like privately held. And he ended up getting arrested and charged and shit, but I'm pretty sure he's not the only one doing that. Oh yeah, not at all. That shit is so fucking corrupt. That's crazy. And then you have all these people again just ignoring the elephants in the room saying Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Stop complaining. We're, we all we all go through things, but y'all don't go shit, near half as much shit as black people go through. Man. Shit, black folks ain't got no boots, so. <laughs> right? Shit, I'm I'm still trying to get my boots on. That's how I'm pulling myself up. But it's out, man. It's- like I said, man, it's all part of the system, man. It's it's, it's monopoly, uh-huh. and we the only we the only we the only group of people that don't know we're playing. Everybody else practice group economics except for black folk. That is interesting because you know I live in a predominantly Mexican area within Koreatown, so nah, I'm either seeing that. some Korean owned shit or I see Mexican owned shit everywhere I turn here. And every time I go in, it's filled with either Korean people or Mexican people, depending on which one I'm in. And I just, I feel like we don't, yeah, like you said, we don't do that. Like, we aren't willing to sacrifice and to come together for the bigger picture. Man, ain't, ain't shit in English where you at, is it? 
Uh, well, yeah, but there's also a lot of Spanish and yeah. Korean signs everywhere. Yeah, man. Especially think, Korean. There's a lot of Korean signs everywhere. Yeah, I think like the American mantra is all like individualism and uh-huh. and chasing chasing the dream. Right. Uh, so a lot, a lot of other cultures don't have that idea of individualism. So when they come over, they they like it's it's innate for them to work as a group. Uh-huh. Now that American individualism works well for white people because they control the system. So they 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 have the privilege to be individualistic in that way and not do harm to the overall community. Uh-huh. Now black people are Americans, so we have that individualistic mind. We can't afford to have that mindset because we we don't have control of the system. Mm. So as we become more and more individualistic, the community as a whole takes a hit. And as I mean, we and not one individual can push the system one way or another. You got to do it as a group, right? So it's so as a it'll be hard to get out of that mindset as you know Americans. But we got to I, I think we got to start thinking along those lines instead. Yeah, big fact. Yeah, you're right. Everybody else comes from other areas where that's probably normal. Well, it's definitely normal. That is why we are Americans, huh? We're Americans, man. We, 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 come, we come from Africa, but we're, we, our our culture was stolen from us. Our way of life, how how to, how they thought and how they did things, was all stolen. So we've pretty much been in this by America's uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. It's crazy. We're Black Americans, but we we can't even live that mantra. We have to look from the outside. As usual. Dang. As usual. Do you think that'll ever happen? Do you think black people will ever practice that again, I should say? We have before and things were destroyed, but do you think we'll get back there? Um, I think it will if people stop being pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Because like I elaborate, elaborate. <laughs> I, I hear people keep saying if we do it, they're gonna destroy it again, and boom, boom, boom. To me, that doesn't scream "don't do it." To me, it screams "keep right. doing it until they can't destroy this shit." Let's make so many right. of them they can't destroy this shit. Let's get into these positions <laughs> of power to where when they do destroy some shit, now they're held accountable for the shit. Right, so I don't know. Right. I just don't have that lay down mentality. I think if people just kind of ditched that, which is that's hard to ask because that's I mean that could affect your livelihood. Yeah. But um, when people ditch that mentality of let's just not do it because they're not gonna let us, that's some slave shit. That yeah, is some slave shit. So I feel like it can happen. I feel like we've seen a black renaissance. For real, like in the past 10 years or so, just with creatives and black mm-hmm. people doing X, Y, and Z politics, even on local levels. It's like we're seeing a lot of shit. Seeing the first black president, I think we're seeing a black renaissance. I just think all of us need to understand what's at stake here and what we're going to have to do to, to get that leverage that we're seeking, which is going to take sacrifice. It's going to take some balls or some bravery. No, it definitely is. It's, it definitely can be done too. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like people just don't be afraid of, you know, of that. Uh-huh. Keep building, keep building. Cause just because just because somebody knocks you down, or you know, you're playing sports and someone stops you from scoring once, you don't say, "Oh, we might not score no more." You gotta adjust, adjust your game plan and. You know, attack it from a new angle. Uh huh. With more people behind you next time, With and more. keep spreading the ideas. Don't let the idea die just because you know it turned out a certain way one time. But one thing I think black people need to get more into as well is like the self defense, like firearm training, 
uh, uh-huh. hand to hand combat and stuff like that. I feel like that's one thing that's been kind of missing from uh, from a lot of the movements is the ability to protect yourself. People tend to leave you alone if they think you're gonna you're gonna shoot back. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm a huge advocate for the Second Amendment. Again, because I've had people say if the cops want to kill you, if the government want to kill you, they'll kill you. But, mm-hmm. of course, I'm not going to lay down. I'd rather kill two niggas with me before I die. That's just me. I mean, they'll think twice, man. Yeah. Like them, like them boys out there in Wyoming or whatever, the, the Bundy Ranch dude. Yeah, share that story with the listeners. That shit is insane. Man, there, there was this this white dude out in like Montana or Wyoming or some shit. And he had been using some land to like graze cattle on or something. And there was like a dispute that the government was saying that that was federal land and he couldn't use it. And he was saying that, you know, that land has been in his family's name for, for years and he wouldn't move his cattle or whatever. So the U.S. government come up in there, you know, guns out and all this other stuff, trying to force him off the land. But him and his sons and his friends armed themselves, too, and pretty much had a standoff. Uh-huh. And, then, and then as his neighbors heard about it, his neighbors, you know, brought their guns and stuff. So now this is the federal government. If they really wanted to, they could have blew every single one of them motherfuckers out the water. Uh-huh. But because they were armed and ready to protect themselves and willing to protect themselves and willing to die for it, the federal made the federal government like second guess and be like, is it worth it? And that's what so I was end- just thinking. Like they're willing yeah. to die for that shit. Mm-hmm. They're willing to die for that shit. That's what we need. That's that kind of conviction we need because we're just so worried about surviving every day and not being killed that then we got to turn around and ask ourselves, what are we willing to die for, though? That's a good point, man. Everybody is kind of in survival mode in in these neighborhoods. So you're not thinking about, uh, you know, growing anything or producing anything for future generations because shit you trying to get through the week uh-huh. but and people you're right man people got to be ready to put their their life on the line uh, uh, uh. that's a big ass uh-uh. that's a real big ass <laughs> you said what that's, that's a big ask. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I said, man, it's, it's a lot to ask somebody to risk it all. Especially when you don't know if everybody's going to do the same. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're starting to bubble over with this movement now, is that a lot of people are starting to feel like, well, maybe everybody else will do the same. So maybe, mm-hmm. I, maybe I can take that extra step if everybody in my, in my culture is going to have my back. Right, and that's, I mean, that's what we need. We we need people to see people acting out ideas that they've held for so long, and that's just going to reinforce them to actually get out and do something, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, that support system, man. Community. You gotta have it. Did you see that uh, Chappelle special? <laughs> the 846? Yeah. I didn't get a chance to watch watch it all. I was trying to watch it like, like on break and shit. I I'm lunch at work, and I, a piece of it, but it seemed like it was pretty powerful stuff. He's, I mean, he always comes, oh. he always comes correct. So, bro, like I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. I had chills at one point, like just the way he was, like that wasn't a stand up. Like he just spoke to us and happened to have humorous sections in. Yeah. Like Dave Chappelle has transcended being a comedian, I feel like. No, oh, he's on another level, man. Yeah, he's wow. Like he might be one of the greatest speakers we have, honestly. Just with the 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 gift of being able to speak to so many different people and for people to listen. Like that's a gift. I mean, he's like 
he's like one of my favorite comedians. But like, whenever he has a, sh- a special out or a show in town, it's like you gotta go see him. Like him and Chris Rock are two that I like never miss. Uh-huh. But yeah, man, powerful stuff. Check it out. I think it's like thirty minutes long, and he talks about all this shit going on. And yeah, it's this. Yeah, I'm gonna check. Pretty it. dope. I might try to listen to it tonight before I, before I lay it down. Yeah, man, check it out. Good stuff, man. Well, anything else you want to share with the, the young black kids out here trying to figure out what to do next? Or any words of encouragement? Just keep pushing, man, and don't think that, you know, if you don't, you feel like you don't have it figured out right now, that, like, that's something to be ashamed about. Shit, I don't have it figured out. None of us have it figured out. Uh-huh. Um, we all trying to figure out, we all trying to move in our purpose and trying to find our purpose. You know, as long as you're being productive and, you know, keep riding hard for the culture, man. Just ride hard for the culture and and all of that. Hell yeah. Big facts. And, and take care of your mental health, man. Take care of the mental health. Man. I'm so glad that mental health has become a trending topic in the past mm-hmm. however many years because, shit, we done seen it with our parents' generation, they parents' generation. Them niggas traumatized. Oh, big time, man. Like, <laughs> boomers the and the group before the boomers. <laughs> them motherfuckers. They struggling. seeing some shit. Bro, they are struggling, and it, and it come out like sometimes when you talk to them and shit, like you can just uh-huh. see certain traumas just come out from some shit that happened when they were younger. Especially like uh-huh. within the family, I've I've never seen like so much like shit that can go on between family members, and they be they don't ever talk about shit. Now tell me this, and yeah, I agree with that. Boomers don't ever face a problem head on, but um, tell me this: Do you think? I guess the family structure seemed a little more together back then because people were willing to brush problems underneath the rug. No, I do not. No. Okay. I, I Speak think, to that. I think the motherfuckers back then had no options. Mm. So, mm. so yeah, like, you got I, married at fucking 17. Right. You probably don't know many other people. Like I'm hearing people, they'd be like, my grand. 50 years, this love don't exist no more. My grandma wasn't allowed to work. <laughs> where the fuck was she, she going to go? <laughs> Yo, granddaddy out here with two and three families and shit, and oh, grandma man. just at home. Yeah, them niggas had mad families. That's why. Back in the day, it was a different. Man, they had, they had like two and three families, bro. And then sometimes they all knew about each other. And then, like, whenever whenever his other kids showed up, it was just known that those were his other kids, and you better not say shit. That's wild. And so everybody is kind of just tormented, being tormented in silence and living in silence with all that shit, holding it in, and animosities build up and build up and build up. And next thing you know, you guys are fighting over what seems to be, like, bullshit, but it's just, like, a buildup of all this trauma you've been holding in all these years. Damn. But I, I guarantee you if, if if somebody grandmama was successful, had her own business, or had a job or something like that, she wouldn't have been putting up with no nigga with three other families. Nah, not at all. I feel you. So tell me, what do you think? Hmm. Like, Do you think the state of the black family is in danger? Or how do you feel about that? Like the traditional black family... Uh, marriage, kids, do you think that's still, like, something that's going strong? And if not, or if so, why or why not? I I, I do think it's strong, man. I, I think that just Black families don't get enough press. Like, there, there's a lot of Black men out here marrying Black women, having Black babies, mm. you know, raising strong, solid Black families, but that just doesn't get LeBron the James. Right. Will Smith, <laughs> right? Like, and and then like Le- LeBron and Will Smith, they don't get touted for the family men they are. They just get touted for their talents, right? And and that's where the concentration is. And uh, I mean, I think that's one of the more impressive things. I mean, 
I mean, LeBron, of course, you know, people are arguing he might be one of the greatest players of all time, if not the. Um, but uh, I think the fact that he can have all that power and still have such a seemingly healthy family is very impressive. Because they say, you know, you know a man's true character when he has everything. Mm, and I think that's, that's super impressive to see that. So, yeah, he should be praised more for that. Yeah, I agree. That is true. I never thought about it like that because he could be doing whatever the fuck he want. Right. And then he, like, got with the, the chick that he knew in high school and shit. Like, he didn't, uh-huh. he didn't just, like, shoot out and get him a white girl. Shit. <laughs> And these, these niggas, but they begin <laughs> getting a little taste of fame. They go straight to the snow bunny. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, I know people who don't date black women that are black. Yeah, it's like it's like no black girl. Period. Yeah, that's like, weird. I'm not even I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna consider it. I'm like y'all tripping. That is very weird to me. Like, don't get me wrong. I think everybody's entitled to their preference. But uh, it is very weird to say what you won't do versus what you prefer. Like, don't tell me what you won't do. Just tell me what you would like. You know what I mean? Because now when you're telling me what you won't yeah. do, that comes off hateful. Like, like there's something else there. You know what I mean? And that's maybe where the self-hate conversations come in. That's a lot of self-hate. I mean, we get bombarded with it all day, every day, so... But that bothers me too. I don't like when when guys say, "Oh, black, all black women are this, all black women are that." Or I don't, I don't fool with black women. You know, get you a, a white woman. They know how to treat a man. And I, I hate hearing that stuff. I hate it. Yeah, I've seen a lot of white women leave they niggas as soon as any trouble arises. So I don't know how right. valid that is. But I mean, I'm yeah, sure there are some great couples out there. I'm sure, but I'm just saying it's. Grass is always greener, I guess, on the other side. But some niggas... White yeah, man's ice colder. You said what? That we always think white man's ice is colder. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's definitely a lot of self-hate within the black community, on both sides, men and women. Um, yeah, and I think maybe to really get the change you want, you got to start with the with the self, I guess. Yeah. Free yourself of this self-hatred. Yeah. Do you think it's, like, the black man's job to fix it? Or do you think, like, what? Do you, how do you think this can be repaired? Just people who... Besides just the self-journey, do you think, like, black men in particular have this responsibility? Hmm... Because they say the man of every group is supposed to be the leadership, right? Yeah. So how do you feel about that? And I did not mean to turn this into a relationship podcast. <laughs> we here, we here now. Yeah. <laughs> we here. <laughs> that's a that's a good. Because I feel like, in some respects, the the idea is that you know the black man is kind of in a state of suffering. Mm-hmm. And so if we are not whole, can we be the leaders to truly do that? Or or do we have to rely on our black women to help uplift us before we can? Mm. Yeah, ooh. yeah. Yeah, that's that's some real shit. Cause sometimes the leader gets knocked down and he needs some support to get back up before he can do what he's called to do. And I got to give a shout out to black women on that because from what I've seen, black women have, through all the bullshit, have still held black men down mm-hmm. and still been riding with them and still believe in them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a powerful, powerful gesture. I think that's why they get so mad when black men, you know, date outside the race. And it's like, you know, we're really trying to hold everything down until you get back on your feet and take your rightful place as leader. And then you get on your feet and just leave me hanging. That's fucked up. I agree with you 1,000%. Black women are super strong. And they do. I, somebody asked me the other day, uh, what did she ask me? She said, men can't endure the pain 
that they put women through. And I said, you're right, because women have more patience. And she was saying specifically black women. <clears throat> so I agree 1,000%. Women are super patient. They do go through a lot of shit. Um, one thing I will say for both parties, the men and women, I think we need to stop bashing each other in totality for sure. Mm-hmm. But we definitely need to stop bashing each other in front of other people. That's that's definitely. another thing that a lot of other cultures won't do. Yeah. Is disrespect their man or their woman publicly in front of other people or on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand you might feel that way from both sides, but like, that's something you should internalize or maybe have a conversation with somebody about. You shouldn't be just spreading that because now, now our foundation looks weak as a community. That's true. Keep it, keep it in home, keep everything in house. And I agree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent, man. Yeah, man, I don't know. People just, and then that's where that self-hate shit comes in. If I'm hearing people all day, you know, fuck these bitches or I got hella bitches or fuck niggas, fuck these niggas. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That looks bad on both ends. Like, do y'all really love each other? Like that shit, that shit deep rooted too, man. You gotta read the, you gotta read the Willie Lynch letters, man. That's some, that's some freaky ass shit. If you had never read it before, what's that about? Willie Willie Lynch was like this famous slaver back in the day, and famous what? <laughs> he was a famous like slaver, like a slave trader. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, that like that's where they get the term lynching from. From this motherfucker. Oh God, he was that. He, 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 was, he was that fucking. Bad. He was that fucking bad. Jesus. And so, uh, contrary to popular belief, like slave uprising and slave rebellions were immensely common in the United States. Uh-huh. And so, all these like plantation owners reached out to Willie Lynch and was like, "Man, how do you keep your slaves in line so well?" So he essentially laid out a playbook of how to psychologically destroy the slave, keeping them physically strong so that they'll be able to do whatever you want them to do. And then he even said that if you do it right, the psychological changes that you'll make will last for for generations and generations. Damn. And then he goes in here to lay out how to properly break a slave down. Like he talks about how you take the alpha male, whoever he is, tie him down in front of everybody and rape him. Because he, yeah. he, he yeah, he then loses his like his complete authority over everybody else, and it it scares the mothers, and it makes the men be more docile so now the men don't stand up for their families and then as the mothers raise their children they'll raise their sons to be docile so their sons don't get hurt like that so that's why you see a lot lot of mothers who the saying is they love their sons and they raise their daughters Uh because that kind of psychological component from fearing that having a strong outspoken son will eventually lead to his, his death and that's that's relevant to today. Like, and it's still people are relevant so afraid to, today. to let their black children be outspoken and to be outside the box, be creative, because they don't want bad things to happen to them. They, they don't want them to run into something that could cause them harm or keep them from success. Exactly. And I think it's such a stunting mentality. Like, you're stunning so much growth. You are. possibility. And And innovation, you might have the next fucking black Steve Jobs or some shit in your house. (laughs) And it all stems from that, man. And I I think back to like Will Smith's kids and how when when Will Smith's kids that even in the black community, we used to call them weird and we used to call them all these. They were bad parents. And they're bad parents because. Now look at these kids. Well, because that was the first time ever that we had ever seen black children be free. And we didn't know how to process that. Right. That's true. Yeah. 
they had complete freedom all the way down to dyeing their hair, cutting their eyebrows off and shit. All right. That and they grew up to be, to me, from what I'm saying, again, I don't know these people, but they seem to be very open-minded, um, generous, grounded. grounded, compassionate to an extent, super creative, not afraid to be entrepreneurs because all of them are doing their own shit. Yeah. And that's what we need. We need more, again, back to what I was talking about earlier, people need to stop being pussy. We need people who aren't being stunted, people who are yeah. willing to go out and speak their mind, speak their creativity, let it flow, bounce ideas without being ridiculed by their own people. Poured above each other. Right. And letting people grow. No, I feel you on that. Well put. It's wild, man. Shout outs to Will Smith, Jada. Shout out to Will and Jada, man. Shout out yeah. to Willow and Jaden. Yeah, Jaden did this thing out here. He made a, a food truck where he was giving out food to all the homeless on Skid Row for free. Damn. So I'm like, see, man, that's like... Damn. Yeah, ain't no kid just gonna think about that shit just because, like, that's there's a calling there of some sort. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially the rich kid. He was led to do that. It wasn't just some I'm gonna do this shit. Because I mean, I mean, it looks good, but like, there's a million other things he could do to look good in Hollywood. So they're they're a very they're a very deep family. that's just I feel, I feel like they sit around and have like these deep philosophical conversations all day. I feel like they do it as a family too. Right. And yeah. that's another thing I really admire. Like when I have my own family one day, I hope we can have that level of communication to where we can all just come in a room and bounce ideas without getting mad. You know what I mean? Right. Cheers. Cheers. Up to you. Just just build that uh build that kind of culture in your house. Yeah. Cause these motherfuckers, you seen the red table talk? Man, that that's my shit. I ain't gonna and lie. Willow over there talking about having sex and fucking with girls and. And you're right, the mama. Jaden was talking about not Jaden, but Jada was talking about she used to uh, fuck with no, not fuck with, but she used to hang out with Tupac and shit. And Will Smith has been on record saying he hated that shit. It's like you're they're right. just so transparent. I love that. Yeah, and not that it, that they have to be for us. But I feel like if they're willing to do that for us, they are probably 20 times more transparent with each other. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they let it fly at home. Yeah, that shit. That's dope. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, well, brother. That was a good talk, man. Yeah, as always, man. Always. always. Yeah, it's part one. I have to get back on, on it again. Hey, you one of the best conversationalists in the game, man. Keep it up. I appreciate that shit, man. I just be talking shit. Nah, very profound, man. Uh, Any last words you want to give the people where to find you, if you want them to find you, social media, book, anything? What's coming, man? What's coming? uh, Well, I'm on social media. C. Johns, C underscore J-O-H-N-Z on shit, all platforms, I think. And uh, I ain't got no books coming, but shit, I need to write a fucking book. Everybody else writing books. You should books. write a book. Yeah. Huh? You should write, write a book. book. I am going to write a book. Liberate my people. <laughs> yeah, man. Drop some gems on them. Other than that, All right, man. then, brother. appreciate you for joining us. For uh, sure, man. appreciate you having me. No doubt. No doubt. We'll definitely have you back on soon. And to all the listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, peace. All right, peace.